0: Genesis 30 and 31 is where we want to cover today and as we continue with the life of Jacob, the third patriarch uh, in the line of patriarchs there. <clears throat> and I want to read this morning. We're going to jump to the middle of the chapter to start. And I want to read uh, verses 25 to 36 as our kind of our scripture reading. And then, of course, we'll go through it, it came about when Rachel had bored Joseph that uh, Jacob uh, said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you. and Let me depart for you yourselves know my service which I have rendered you. But Laban said to him, if now it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. He continued, name your, me your wages and I'll give it to you. But he said to them, you, you yourselves know how I've served you and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased to a multitude, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now, what shall I provide for my own household also? And so he said, verse 31, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you'll do this one thing for me, I will again pasture you, pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from the very, uh, moving from the, from there, every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and every spotted and speckled among the goats and such shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. Every one that is not speckled or spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, will be considered stolen. Laban said, good, let it be according to your word. And so he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats and everyone with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep and gave them into the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days journey befo- be- between himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. If you were living in Montana and you were a rancher, there is no doubt you would appreciate this passage of scripture and you'd appreciate Jacob because Jacob is a shepherd, if you will, a herdsman. He understands what it is to raise sheep and goat and cattle. And in this case, donkeys and and uh, camels. And uh, being a shepherd, he came from obviously a strong family background. His grandfather, Abraham, was a shepherd. His dad, Isaac, was a shepherd. And we see just how much he knew about livestock and really, how good he was at it is what we're going to see this morning as we make our way through this. And really, every aspect of it. So, we might have our issues with Jacob, and we know that he has his own issues and things like that. But really, um, he was an incredible shepherd. Uh, he knew how to feed the sheep, pasture the sheep. He knew how to care for them, shear them when they needed to be done. How to, like you'll see this morning, how really to breed them. And really to be very successful about them, making the flock a strong flock. You know, the closest thing I ever had to this in my life was I had a grandfather that had a great farm down in Oregon years ago. And as a kid, I'd go down there and I used to just love to go to my grandfather's farm. man, Because it, it, was, it was just a classic, what you wanted as a farm. He had, you know, the little things, rabbits and chickens, but then he had horses and he had uh, some beautiful cows. And I can remember I used to take these uh, wire brushes, these just incredible things that have you scratch my back with it, I'd bleed, but the heifers just used to love that when you'd just you know comb out the sides of their bodies with that thing, and so this is kind of where we're headed and and also, like we noted last week when when seeing in this dream that he had last week this ladder and the angels going up and down between the Lord in heaven and uh man on the earth, that Jacob became aware that God was with him, and he's going that's going to continue this week as really against all odds the Lord then will bless Jacob with his own herds and and assure him all the while that he's with him. And as we make our way through these verses, we will point out some other things as we go. Now, having worked seven years, I'm just reminding you, bringing you up to speed. uh, Jacob, by Laban's deception, uh, took Leah as his wife. And from that, he agreed to work another seven years for Rachel. He loved Rachel, but he was deceived by Laban. And so he... uh, worked seven years, received Leah, went through the marriage week, received Rachel, but then had to work another seven years. And so uh, his family then started to come into existence. The family, I want to show you this, uh, is like this. We saw that Leah was the first to have children because Rachel was barren. And so Leah bore, uh, in, it's actually in 29, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And then Rachel, again, and there was some real in house fighting here between these sisters. Uh, Rachel, unable to have children, then took her maid, whose name was Bilhad, and was able to give uh, Jacob two sons, Dan and Naphtala. And unlike our culture, that this wouldn't apply, and as a matter of fact, it'd be illegal. Um, yeah, yeah. See, I told you I'm sharp, okay? Okay. Um, in this culture, um, when a woman was unable to bear, It was acceptable to then take the maidservant. And in every right, those children by the maidservant would become, in this sense, Rachel's children. And, And it would be a binding thing. Well, then Leah became jealous. And so Leah, by her maid, Leah became unable to have kids for a while, took her maid and gave Jacob four more sons and a daughter, Gad, Asher, Ishkar, Zebulun, and finally Dinah. And then finally, Rachel had one son only. And his name was Joseph. And so here's the beginning of the nation of Israel. And in just a few weeks, we'll get to the point where Jacob wrestles with God. God actually will change his name to Israel. And so we know this is the beginning of the nation. And the 12 tribes of Israel will come forth from this. And I'm not going to get into the verses 1 through 24 of chapter 30. You can do that on your own. But I would just point out to you that there's really two things that you need to know about that those verses. Is One, There are problems there is in sister fighting, there's jealousy, there's literally um, having babies, jealousy over babies and all this stuff going on there. So that's the one thing. The other thing, though, as we saw last week and it continues, um, one of the brothers in the church said to me before service started that. "Boy, if there was ever a soap opera in the Bible, we're into it right now in this stuff. And that's true. But what we see then too, and keep this in mind, is that God is truly a God of grace. And I love that about this, you know, that we see that part of Him here, that in spite of the problems in this family, how they treated each other, um, He used them. And that's really a tribute to God's grace and who He is. And again, same with you and I. It's not a tribute to you and I. You know, when we are able to do anything, To God be the glory, as they say. It's his grace. And I'm so thankful for God's grace. If it wasn't for God's grace, let me tell you, I would be on a shelf somewhere. Okay. And probably if it was up to God in a box. Okay. You know, I'm not saying dead. Just contained is what I'm trying to say. Okay. But it's his grace. And and so thankful for that. And so now having this family well on its way, Jacob, like you and I, his thoughts turn somewhere. They turn to home. Remember, he's not in his homeland and providing for his family. Very real thing. And so he goes to Laban, his father-in-law, and he shares these concerns with him. Now, when Jacob goes to Laban, verse 25, he had now been in Haran for 14 years. Okay, and while blessed with work, with family, there's no doubt that he wanted to go back home. He wanted to go back to Bethel. And and what we know as the promised land or Israel today, actually Israel today is much smaller. God has promised them a much bigger land than that. But that's where he wanted to go. And like we noted last week, again, we see evidence that in spite of what you might see as Jacob's downside, verse 26, when it says, you yourselves know my service, which I've rendered you, Jacob was a hard worker. Jacob was the type of man, if you ran a business or owned a business, this is a man you'd want on your payroll. Your business would prosper from an employee like this. And so that's what he was like. Um, Laban had little before Jacob came. Verse 30, it says. But it increased to what is described as a multitude of animals by the Lord's hand. And again, Jacob's concern was for his family and his well-being. He had built up Laban's wealth and he still had nothing of his own to speak of. Look at verse 30 when he says, when shall I provide for my own household also. And those are thoughts that usually come later in life, right? You that are here that are young, you're not thinking much of retirement. You're just thinking about life is fresh, life is young. Hit your 50s, okay, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden those things become a reality to you and you do start thinking about them a a little bit more. And so he's thinking of that and, and, you know, Wanting that. And Laban knew to lose Jacob would be a loss, okay? And so he wanted him to stay, verse 27, going so far as to say, name your price. And again, I'm going to show you about Laban. We've already known about this. But he says there, if now it pleases you, stay with me. I've divined that the Lord. And what you need to understand is he's kicked on that charm switch, that deception switch. He realizes if I lose this guy, I lose. And I'm going to do whatever I can to keep him. And so that's what's going on here. Jacob says, when he asks him, you know, what do you want? Name your price. Jacob says, you shall not give me anything. Okay. and if you allow me then to do this, I'll continue to oversee your flocks. And he will go on and he'll oversee them for another six years, for a total of 20 years then. And so, but he says, you'll do this. And it was letting Jacob, verse 32, have the speckled and spotted sheep and goats, and the black lambs that came forth in the in the sheep. And when Jacob says, you shall not give me anything, I guess we could say that could be pride. You know, I'll do it. I don't need you. I don't need God. But I don't really think it was. I think what he was saying is he wouldn't take or want Laban's help, knowing the Lord to provide, not wanting to be obligated to Laban, especially the type of man he was. And Abraham did the exact same thing. When Abraham rescued Lot pursuing those kings from the north as they had been captured when he rescued Lot the kings down of Sodom and Gomorrah you know said you know what do you want and Abraham would take nothing because he didn't want to be obligated to them Henry Morris in his book on Genesis writes Jacob did not wish Laban to give him anything he had learned that God would simply that God would supply what he wanted him to have. And he did not wish to be indebted in any way to a man whom he had come to know as self-seeking, deceptive and an ungodly schemer. And so that is really what was going on. And so Laban, what do you think his response was? There's 34. Good. Let it be according to your word. Laban had Jacob right where he wanted him. So he thought, see. And if it was just Jacob and Laban, that would have been the case. But it wasn't just Jacob and Laban. It was Laban and Jacob and God. And you're never going to win when you try to outsmart God. And so if you wonder if Laban really was, especially if you're just busy us today and you haven't been to any studies, if Laban really was such a bad guy, as we've noted that Jacob met his match in him. Look at verse 27, first of all. When Laban says it now, if it pleases you, stay with me, for I have divine that the Lord has blessed me on your sight. And let me tell you this, when it says there, I've divine, it isn't talking about he has been calling on the Lord God, Jehovah. It means it is a occultic thing. And he is drawing from the dark side, if you will, darkness, not Jehovah. And so that tells you one thing that you need to know. About him. But then verse 32, agreeing to let Jacob have the speckled, spotted, and black animals to start his own herd. Look at that. It says, Let me pass, Jacob says, through your entire flock. At the end of verse 32, and set shall be my wage. Okay? But then verse 35, you've got to read this very carefully, and some of you aren't going to catch it. You're going to have to go back later and look at it again. What happens there? Laban goes into the flock removes the very animals that he said Jacob could have. And he has his sons, verse 36, drive them three days away. And so now Jacob is going to start with nothing. All the speckled, spotted, black are gone out of the herd. And so Jacob, go ahead and take care of my sheep. Knowing that the, what is it, the dominant gene and those two, those two terms, the dominant gene was in the solid animals, not in the striped and the speckled ones, and so this shows you the type of guy this was that he was. And so this this was a man not to be trusted. Again, remember what he did to Jacob when Jacob had worked seven years for Rachel. He gave him gave him Leah. And so Jacob, though notice, wasn't defeated. Verse thirty seven. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plain trees. He peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink. And they matted, uh, and they mated. I'm sorry, it's kind of like mating, but it's matted. Um, And they mated (laughs) when they came to drink. And so the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth stripes speckled and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs, and he made the flocks face towards the stripe, and all the black in the field of Laban. But he put his own herd apart and did not put them in with Laban's flocks. Moreover, whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flocks in the gutter so that they might mate by the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in there. So the feeble were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. And so the man, Jacob, became exceedingly prosperous and he had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. And so the whole thing... With the sticks and the speckled. And again, if you haven't read ahead or you don't know this passage, all of a sudden you're kind of going, this is kind of weird. And you're thinking correctly. Because it is kind of weird. Okay? And really, the best I can tell you, and the best really we can do, because again, we don't have a lot of information about what was really going on, is it was a superstitious thing during this time. And so there was the idea that if you do this, you know, it will, it will do that. And again, that's not hard to imagine. Even to this day, with all the technology we have and the insight we have in medicine, there are still things at times that people say, if you do this, it will, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And sometimes it's just a matter of time before medical science comes and says it's not true. There's no evidence for that at all. And so that's really what Jacob was doing. What you need to understand is this. God did not tell Jacob to do that. And nowhere does it say that because of this, then... Jacob was blessed with these type of animals. Jacob's success came for two reasons. Remember I told you, this man understood flocks. He was an incredible shepherd. And so it came, first of all, because of what is known as selective breeding. And you see it when in verse 40, he separates his animals from Laban's. And then in verse 42, when he's separating the weak from the strong, and he's watching very carefully what animals are going to breed with what animals. And again, that's something that is happening today. Farmers understand this, ranchers understand this, and these are things that do. But then it also was because of God, God's hand. And when we get down to verses 10, 11, and 12 of verse 31, you watch that. It's very clear that God is the one that causes. So it wasn't the sticks. It wasn't the, you know, maybe some, uh, there's thought, could there have been something in the, the bark or as they peeled it and something would have got into the water and on and on and on. It really, really, it was just good ranching, good farming, if you will, by Jacob and good and God's blessing. And so some years had passed, you know, uh, six years. Jacob then now has his own possession. He's it says exceedingly prosperous. Verse 43, large flocks, uh, servants and donkeys and camels and don't pass over donkeys and camels. You kind of and I go donkeys and camels like, man, those are like the ugliest things around. In Matthew on Wednesday night, we just pointed out that of the two animals that are seen as unclean, the smallest, we just went through this on Wednesday night, is a gnat. The largest is a camel. That's how the Jews looked at a camel was unclean. But what you need to understand in these days is the average person didn't have donkeys and camels. These were incredible forms of transportation. Guys, it'd be like having an F300 Ford pickup four-door large diesel four-wheel drive. And ladies, it would be like having a Lexus, okay? So, anyway, not that I have either one of those. Let's set the record straight. I drive 10-year-old cars and older, and I drive a Ford Ranger. It's the macho truck of guys. They love those Rangers. Anyway, so anyway, um, he became prosperous. Six years has now gone by. Verse 31, uh, chapter 31. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that our fathers was our fathers. And from what belonged to our father, he has made all his wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. And so um, Jacob set and called Rachel and Leah uh, to his. I'm sorry, skip verse three. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I'll be with you. And so Jacob sent for Rachel and Leah to his to his flocks in the field. And he said to them, I see your father's attitude, that it is not friendly towards me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks brought forth speckle. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flocks brought forth stripe. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock, and given them to me. And it came about at that time when the flocks were mating that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled and molted. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. He said, Lift up now your eyes and see all the male goats which are mating and striped, speckled and molted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now rise, leave this land and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has also entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now, then do whatever God has said to you. And so Jacob was being blessed six years, he took care of the flocks and it didn't go unnoticed. Laban and his sons became hostile towards him, thinking, you know, that Jacob had taken what was theirs. But the truth was that Jacob lived up to the part of the agreement and the Lord was blessing him. And here is something that I think can speak to our lives, you guys, and our walk with the Lord is like Jacob. We, too, find ourselves at times in difficult situations. It could be people-related, it could be circumstances-related. Sometimes things just happen, and it's like, where did that come from? And and if that is in those times, I think what you and I need to learn to do is to be sure more than ever that we're spending time with the Lord daily, but throughout the day that we're very conscious of the Lord and looking for Him, listening to His voice, waiting uh, and being sensitive to Him. And like with Jacob, he will then come to us and assure us and usually give us the direction that we are wanting and that we are seeking. And so who doesn't have difficulties, right? I was saying to the first service that I was telling the staff not too long ago that uh, I would say the year 2006 in our church, we went through some significant things. We had a huge issue and had to do some church discipline and it was a very painful thing and The repercussions we're still feeling to to this day. And there's been some other things that you don't even know about. And I was telling them, you know, I just hope that we could go into a season of no difficulties. And I made sure they understood what I meant by a season. I'm thinking 12 months would be a good season, Lord. Okay. now, I don't know if that's going to be God's will. I would ask you to pray, you know, because I could use that. You know, sometimes it's just like, okay, Lord, can I have a breather? Can that breather be at least 12 months, man? Where, you know, the difficulties are just like gnats, and we can kind of, you know, and you just kind of, things are moving ahead and blessing, you know. But I don't know. But what I do know is this, you guys, that when difficulties come, like with Jacob, they came. We just want to keep looking to the Lord. We want to keep trusting the Lord. We want to be sensitive to the Lord. And the Lord will speak to us. Well, seeing the change in attitude, again, longing for home, and being told now by the Lord, return to the land of your fathers. Jacob then asks Rachel and Leah, his wives, to come out to the field. Could be he didn't want anybody else to know. He didn't want word to get back to Laban or anything. And he, he tells him what's going on. And he tells him, I see your father's attitude is changing. And the Lord has told me to return. And to their credit, verse 14 they really, that's what that verse says, they had broken ties with their father. And I say that because, you know, that isn't always easy, nor does that always happen. Usually when couples are young and they first get married, you expect that. It takes a while for the ties to be broken. What's really sad is when you see a marriage of 10 or 15 years, and those family ties aren't broken the way they should be broken. But they had broken with their father, and and sadly, for the wrong reasons. He wasn't, you know, he's that way. And verse 15, they saw what... what, um, He thought of them when he sold them. And again, we just zip over these scriptures and we zip over these passages. But what a horrible thing. Could you imagine if you were one of the daughters and this happened in your life and your dad had done to you the things that he did? I mean, you say last week I pointed out how hard it had been for Leah to be told by her dad, you know, when it was clear Jacob loved Rachel. And he says, you go on in there. We're going to trick them. How do you think she felt? Well, how do you think Rachel felt when it was all said and done too? see? And so there was some issues in this family, hurts that had taken place, you know. And and so you you just see that, that, you know, when he sold them and, 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 and then consumed selfishly all that he'd gained with no thought of blessing them, blessing grandkids or anything like that. And maybe for the first time, then watch this. These sisters agree on something when in verse 16, what do they say? They say, Jacob, do whatever God has said to you. So what an incredible thing. And I thought, there's a beautiful picture here, you guys. Sometimes difficulties come. Let me rephrase that. Difficulties come. (laughs) Okay. And it's almost like I was thinking how sometimes you feel like there's a twister out there. And it's spinning. And you could see the junk in the twister. There goes a cow. There goes a house. You know. And you feel yourself being pulled into that. The twister is difficulties. And you're trying to... Stay out. And next thing you know, you just can't. You're in it. And you're just in this difficult thing. Well, it's interesting here that this is what you could say this family had gone through. These sisters had gone through. Okay. But now look at what's happening. At least now there's some coming together. There's, a, there's some unity coming out. And, and through these difficult things, now you have sisters that, that fought over having kids and jealousy and husband and all this stuff. Finally saying together, you do what God has told you to do. We're with you. We realize, we see what God has done. And that's the second thing I think that can speak to our lives is that I'll, I'll just say this. Petty differences are to take a backseat to God's will and being united as a family. This is so important. I'm not trying to be naive to the problems that we encounter in our families. Okay, It's no different in, the, in this account than what you and I encounter today at times. I'm not trying to be naive. I have a father-in-law that when I met wink and married wink wink grew up in a Christian home and wink was this girl at that time living in Montana and she had come out to by Mount Rainier to be a counselor at a Christian summer camp well I was a druggie from Seattle I actually had hair back then and it was very long and I was really just a classic looking hippie of the 60 and I literally went to that camp to flee Seattle to get away from my drug buddies and try to straighten out my life. Well, can you imagine what happened when Wink told her dad, "Hey, I found the guy I want to marry. Really? Yeah, here he is. Oh my goodness! You know, I, I could tell you some other things that I won't tell you. Now we we get along great today, but there were things said, and even actions taken, because he didn't really like me. See. I understand family problems. You know, how about jealousy among siblings, jealousy among brothers and wives? I've lived it. I've seen it. Hurtful and unkind words said amongst family members. How about minor misunderstandings becoming major issues? Anybody ever experienced that in a family? Yeah. See, and isn't it funny when something minor becomes major, and before you know it, it's like a clematis vine. That has been growing 20 years. How do you untangle this thing? It's a mess. You know what I mean? Well, another story. You just cut it at the root. And that's another day, another, another teaching. And, and I've, I've been in a situation where in my own life, there's been death in my family, not knowing how to handle death. Who does? And having been then uh, attacked because of what I did or didn't do. So I understand family things. But families are important. They really are. Some of you, you're young and you will not understand this as much. Maybe you do and bless you for that. But let me tell you, the older you get and you see so many things happen in life, you realize the one thing that at times seems to have some stability to it is family. See, you know, for me and my wife, Wink, and we have two children, Jeremy and Jennifer, and now Aaron, our daughter-in-law, they're everything to us. They really are. See, you know, there's acceptance there that you don't always have with others, you know. And and so it's important and and families are important, especially immediate families. And when possible, we want to set aside the things that can divide and the things going to hurt, that the things of the Lord will have first place, that Christ can come forth, that Christ centered attitudes will be there in actions like love, acceptance and forgiveness. And so, again, I know you I might have read into that a little bit. And I just see a beautiful picture here of, Lord, this is what's important. So I just want to remind you this morning that is important. Families are important, see? And so, again, just be careful and uh, don't take them for granted and make sure you're you're loving on each other in Christ the way you're supposed to be. Well, Jacob, again, he had been faithful. Verse 6, you know that I've served your father, he tells his wives, with all my heart. But again, in Laban, Jacob met his match to us. Verse 7, He cheated Jacob. He took advantage of him. He changed his wages ten times. We know of twice. The first time was when he said, work for seven years and I'll give you Rachel. He changed the wage, didn't he? Oh, sorry. Another seven, I'll give you Rachel. And then another time when he says, okay, I'll give you these speckled for your wage. Oh, I didn't tell you, Jacob. See, it was in the back of his mind. I'm going to take those speckled out of there. So there's eight other times that he did something like that to Jacob. And what it seemed, he even wanted to hurt him but the Lord didn't allow it. And so for a third time, the Lord spoke to Jacob. Last week we saw in the ladder, that was the first time. Verse 3 is the second time when he tells him to return. And then verse 10 is the third time in this dream when the Lord revealed to Jacob that he had caused the sheep and the lambs to be born to Jacob's favor. And he was fully aware how Laban had treated Jacob. And now it was time to go back a place that he had been to for 20 years. And so I love that, see? And, and just look at that for a minute, because I think this is something that might really encourage some of you this morning. See, he says, verse 12, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. How long? A year? Two years? No, 20. 20 years. God now tells Jacob, Jacob, I see. Why are you being blessed right now? Well, one reason is you're going to become, you're going to become the patriarch. Christ is going to come through you. Man, I got my hand on you. You are going to be blessed. I promised it to your grandfather. It's coming down to you. But he wanted Jacob to know that. And you know, you guys, some of us this morning, and even if we're not in that place, remember this, that we need to know the Lord sees where we're at and what we're going through. That's good to know, isn't it? Sometimes we could be going through something and other people can be oblivious to it. Even close people at times. You know, in the ministry, and you can imagine just as you go through, we all go through things. I shouldn't say it that way. It's no different than in that. But sometimes I'll go to my wife because there's if there's one person I can confide in totally, it's my wife. And I do. I confide in my wife constantly and bless her heart. She tries her best to she's married to this. High energy guy that just is. I'm, I'm. I'm. I. I. Sometimes I'm like a lion in a cage, pacing back and forth. You know, just trying to discern what God wants to do. You know, and you know, could you imagine being married to that? <laughs> you know. So that's, but you know, sometimes even those that are closest to you can't figure you out. They don't know what to do, right? But this verse tells us God does, and God understands us. And so, even this morning, if you're here this morning and you're in the midst of something. And you really feel I'm not sure anybody understands what I'm going through, then change that there's at least one person that understands what you're going through. it's the Lord, and like we saw last week, if you went here get the teaching, we emphasized how the Lord is with us, and so we know then that God understands what we're going through, He sees what we're going through, and he is with us, so that's encouraging, isn't it? Well, verse seventeen it goes on, then Jacob arose, and he put his children and his wives so. You know, the times passed upon camels and he drove away all his livestock and all his property, which he had gathered um, his acquired livestock, which he had gathered and paid a ram to go to the land of Canaan to his father, Isaac, when Laban had gone to shear his flocks, So that's where Laban is right now. He's away sharing his flock. Then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban by the, the Amin by not telling him that he was leaving. And so he fled with all that he had. He arose and he crossed the Euphrates River and he set his face towards the hill country of, of Gilead. And so while Laban was tending his flock, uh, you know, taking care of it, you know, you have to obviously sheer sheep every so often Jacob made his move and he decided to leave. And it says that he deceived Laban by not telling him what he was going to going to do. But as you'll see, Jacob did it because he feared Laban. He didn't know what Laban was going to do. And he feared that Laban would not let him go. At least would not let um, him and his uh, kids go and even take his own life. And so again, um, He wants to head out to this place and uh, he gets a three-day jump on him. Verse 22, when it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen with him and he pursued him a distance of seven days journey and he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban, the the Armin, in the dream of the night and he said to him, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country and Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead then Jacob said to then Laban said to Jacob what have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives by the sword and if you just think of the word of a father trying to manipulate right here that's how you should understand this why did you flee secretly and deceive me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with song with timbrel and with lyre and you did not allow me to kiss my sons or my daughters how you have done foolishly. It is, is it not in my power to harm you? But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. Now you have indeed gone away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why do you steal my gods? And then Jacob replied to Laban, because I was afraid and I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. Then one whom the, the one whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of your kings, and point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself, for Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And so having a three-day head start, it took Laban seven days to catch up. Okay, Remember, Jacob's moving the whole time. And really he gets to him probably on the sixth day, uh, spends the night, and then goes into his camp on the seventh day and, uh, uh, and confronts him. If you look at this map, it shows you where Gilead would have been. So they would have crossed the Euphrates River. They've been up in the north there, and they would have. He would have made really good time, almost back to the Promised Land, if you will, um, where that circle is, is the area about where uh, Gilead would have been. And Laban's speech, verse 26 and 27, like I said, really should make you sick because it is a dad, it's a manipulator, and that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to manipulate his kids. He's trying to manipulate Jacob once again to get things to go. His ways um, questioning Jacob why he should be doing such a thing. And what you need to remind, remind yourself is there, the reason I came up with two of them that Jacob is doing what he did is first of all, 20 years. 20 years. Jacob had been with this man, seen what he'd done, and he knew what he was dealing with. That's why he left the way he did. The second thing, Jacob did what he did because the Lord said to do it. The Lord said, Jacob, go back home. So that's the other reason. And it's interesting that Laban even said what he did in verse 29 when it says, It is in my power to do you harm. That's very insightful to where this guy's at. When the Lord had made it clear, don't you speak good or bad to Jacob? I'll tell you much, he is bumping a line there and he's about ready to cross a line. He doesn't. But man, I would never have bumped it like that, like he did. And so when he says it's my power to harm you, it reveals his heart. It reveals how he feels about Jacob and why Jacob feared that he would take his daughters by force and even possibly kill him. And I think Laban knew his bluff had been called. That he was now exposed for the man that he was by the Lord, by Jacob and by his daughters. He could not hide anything more from them. And so notice what he does. It's a classic move when falsehood is exposed. He changes the subject, verse 30, saying, why did you steal my gods? I thought the issue was, why did you leave? Why did you leave so I couldn't throw a feast? Why did you leave so I couldn't kiss my daughters? Why did you leave so I couldn't hug my grandbabies before you left? And now all of a sudden he's exposed, and it's going. And why did you take my gods? You know, and you know that was really lame for a couple of reasons. One, he could have replaced them. Second of all, any god that can be stolen isn't much of a god. Would you remember that? Okay, if a god can be stolen, I say steal away. It's not much of a god, but it does show us what he was about, what he trusted, and how different than you know. Uh, Jacob comes from the heritage of Abraham and Isaac and 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 understand that too when you when Rachel takes these things her background with this type of father and everything there so they were two different families and so that's what was happening these things that Rachel took these household gods are known as teraphim uh, john davis says teraphim appear in a number of times in the old testament they were human figurines usually small but sometimes quite large the majority discovered so far are figurines of female deities 2 or 3 inches in height And they were used as household gods and were carried on the body as personal charms. The next slide shows you what they might have looked like. These are artifacts they have found. And so this is the type of thing that now uh, Rachel took. And so verse 33. um, So Laban went into Jacob's tent and uh, into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maids, but he did not find them. And then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and she put them in the camel saddle and she sat on them. So watch where she's at. She's in her tent. She's not on the camel on the saddle. The saddle would have been taken off the camel, put in the tent. So that would have been furniture. She's sitting on it and she hides these idols in there. And, uh, And she said to her father, let me let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you. And again, um, the idea there was kids would rise when their dad would enter the room. Oh, that kids would show such respect today. You You know, they look at you sometimes like, hey, can I sit there? You know, it's like, you know, anyway, I'm just joking. But she said, for the manner of woman is upon me. So in other words, she's in her monthly cycle. And she's saying, you know, Dad, I'm sorry, but I can't really get up. So he searched, but he did not find the household um, gods. And so we know that Rachel had them, okay. And when it says she stole the household gods, that the idols that were her father's, there's a couple of things I want you to keep in mind because, you know, you could say, well, she shouldn't have it. It says stolen, and we know that's not. But you got to keep some things in mind. First of all, there's some thought that they believe these gods guaranteed fertility. And so Rachel being barren, she might have taken them for that reason. If that was the only reason, two things were false. She shouldn't have taken them and they didn't have any bearing on that. Second thing is, this is really interesting. There was a sense that in Genesis 29, that Laban had actually adopted um, Jacob as a son. And if that's the case, then there's documents that they've discovered that these type of idols would go to the first son, the oldest son. So in a very real sense... Uh, Rachel uh, might not have in a sense. Remember, Laban is the one that said they were stolen. That's his perspective. Rachel might have thought and known that Jacob was adopted. He's the oldest son. These are his. So when we leave, I'm taken with me. And so that could be it. What you need to know is Jacob didn't know they were there. And if he did, I don't think Jacob would have had anything to do with them. The other thing is she did so, and we can't deny this, for religious reasons. Her faith wasn't like Jacob's faith. Again, the families were different. Jacob had an incredible heritage in a godly family. Uh, You could see, as we've talked about Laban, what Rachel's would have been like. And so she's learning of Jacob's God. And she will understand that she'll come to trust fully in God. But she did, sadly, put a measure of trust in these false gods. Well, not finding them and Jacob, not knowing Rachel had them, he then lets Laban have it. And the truth comes out about what Jacob had done, uh, Laban had done to Jacob over these years and how Jacob felt. So verse 36, it says, Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, What is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? See it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us. These 20 years, here it is, I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarriage. And you that are might be into this type of thing, what's being said there is, again, it's a credit to Jacob. A lazy shepherd. It was common for a lot of miscarriage of animals. And it's saying here that Jacob was such, he was such an incredible shepherd and so diligent, that he was very careful in how it happened so there wasn't these miscarriages of animals. And that's what it was talked about there. Nor have you eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn of the beast, I did not bring it to you. I bore the loss uh, of, of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or by night. And what that means there, you guys, is this. When a bear, a lion, whatever it might be, came in and snatched away a lamb, usually the shepherd could find the carcass and take it to the owner of the herd and say, here, and the owner would give him credit. Not only did Jacob not do that, but do you notice Laban had a different arrangement? Laban said Laban wouldn't allow that, see? And that was contrary. It just shows you what he was like. And so he says, Thus I was by day, by day the heat consumed me, and in the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. And so, again, you get the idea of what he gave, you know. Can you imagine the heat of the Middle East, the cool of night, staying up all night at times, taking care of the animals, watching the animals? These 20 years I've been in your house... I have served you 14 years for your two daughters and 6 years for your flock, and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, and He rendered judgment last night. And so, um, um, God's judgment was don't say anything good or bad, Laban. Don't condemn him, okay? And don't try in your smooth way and manipulation to get him back. That would be good. Just keep it zipped up or you're going to have me to deal with. The chapter ends. I'm not going to read it to you. Forty three on. It's the uh, they enter into a covenant of peace. They set up a pillar of stones. They mark the place of the agreement um, and they make agreement that if Jacob would ever come that way and pass that mark. He would never do so to harm Laban and vice versa. Laban would never come his way and pass it to harm him. But then verse 55, early in the morning, Laban arose and he kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them and Laban departed and returned to his place. And so Laban then passes now from the pages of Scripture. Go ahead, breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, there'll be other Labans, okay? But I say goodbye. We've had enough of you, Laban. And he's gone, okay? And you will read no more of the patriarch families uh, having anything to do or uh, with the relatives in Mesopotamia. This is it, okay? And Jacob is almost home, you guys, okay? I showed you on the map. The Lord has led him and uh, and and watched over him for 20 years. And it's clear that that's still happening. The Lord is leading him. And so as we close, and we're going to take communion, if the worship team, I know they're around here somewhere, if they'll come back up. Um, remember what the Lord has has has, has done for us. Um, Jacob is remembering that. I want you to go back to uh, 30, uh, 31. And, and in verses 3 to 13, would you look again for just a minute at verse 3? It says, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers, to your relatives, and I'll be with you. And then I love verses 12 and 13. He said, Lift up your eyes and see, all that the, all the male goats that are mating are striped, speckled, and molted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now rise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. And the key there, mark it, circle it, highlight it, is the word return in verse 3 and the word return in verse 13. It's a key word to you and I. You know, for some of us this morning, it's going to apply in two ways, I think. Maybe for some of us this morning, and again, I have nobody in mind. I try to be very careful when I know things that are going on in people's lives that they don't come out this way. But it could be that as you've been sitting here this morning, that the Lord has been speaking to you about your distance from Him. And maybe there is a distance between you and the Lord. Again, that's between you and the Lord. I don't know that. But if that's the case, then... I think verse three and verse thirteen are words from the Lord to you this morning, and the Lord's kindness and loving kindness is saying, "Come on back, come on back. We're not as close as we used to be, and I want you to be close to me, even if you and I are. We 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 feel no. It's okay. I'm I'm where the Lord wants me to be. This is such a good reminder that this is where we want to be. We want to be at the feet of Christ, don't we? We want to depend upon Him." That's the place we always want to be at. And so as we take up communion this morning, we're going to sing another worship song as the ushers pass out the bread and the juice. Try not to be distracted. Let it be a time of communion. Communion is not just bread and wine.